Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us, and welcome to the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. Happy Monday, Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. We are so glad that you chose to join us today. So here's what we got. For those of you who call this podcast home, you know Mondays we have exclusive one-on-one interviews, and today is no different. What we have for you today is the very beginning, part one of an exclusive conversation that I had with a gentleman who is achieving at the highest level. Uh, He hails, or rather lives, in Vancouver, British Columbia. He's a Canadian, and you're going to hear that through his accent, but he comes from a totally different area. He's lived all over, and let me just tell you, I mean, this guy is achieving at the highest level, and you'll be able to hear that through his story. So here's what's happening. We have part one with my conversation with Lev Kerrison, and you guys are going to really catch on right away that this guy's intentional. He comes prepared in that he's always willing and ready to learn from himself, and I think that's a key distinction between people who find success and those who don't. Are you willing to look at what you're doing, to look at what others are doing, and use that to help yourself? And the the concept that we don't have anything to teach ourselves is really hokey, it's bullshit, and you're going to find that to be true through my conversation with Lev. So part one is going to be him sharing his story, bird's eye view, he's going to get into some nitty gritty details, there's a lot of key points, takeaways that you're going to get from the story. And then we're going to reconvene for a part two where I'm going to get down, ask Lev some questions, and kind of dig deeper into why, for instance, he loves to read. After he's a 30-year-old dude, he picked up reading at the age of 29. And he's going to share a little bit about that story in our first part of our conversation here. He's going to tell us about how he founded or helped found all the businesses that he's involved in. I think right now it's four to be exact, not Uh, To count out the fact that he's a daily blogger, he reads, he told me four to five books a week through audio and actually reading the book, whether it's Kindle or hard copy. This guy is a sponge and it didn't happen until a year ago that he understood what it really takes to be successful. So sit back, relax, and get comfortable because Lev is going to share his story with us uh, for basically the entire podcast, but Really sit and think about the things he's saying if you need to. Something that he recommends, something that he does when he listens to audiobooks. He pauses it and takes notes when he hears gems. Saves it into a Google Doc if you use Evernote. Whatever it is you do to save this stuff, I'm going to do the same thing and have done the same thing. I sat down, listened to him share his story in a deep way. And when you hear something that you can relate to, that you think makes sense, that you can emulate or take and make it your own and use to be successful yourself, I highly recommend you pause the show and take those notes. But like I said, get comfortable. We're going to be hearing Lev's story, and then we'll have him back for part two. But guys, enjoy the show. You are listening to the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. Enjoy the show. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Fuel 101, the six steps to take you from where you are to where you want to go. This is one of those books that basically takes all the things that are being shared on the podcast, puts them into a practical, applicable form, applicable kind of framework that's going to allow you to pursue your passions, dreams, goals, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish in your life at this point in time. It's going to take that, put it into a framework, and help you get there. And just for tuning into the show, go to the Rocket Fuel 101 in numbersbook.com, the Rocket Fuel 101book.com. Put the book in the cart, type in promo code PODCAST. Once you get to the checkout, you are going to receive 25% off any and all purchases from that site just for tuning into the podcast. Again, go to therocketfuel101book.com, buy the book, enter promo code PODCAST. You're going to receive 25% off any and all purchases. This is one of those books that's literally going to transform your thinking. You can see a bunch of testimonials on the site. There's some informational videos and a bunch of goodies there. Check that stuff out. See for yourself what the hype is all about. You want to get yourself a copy. Don't be late to this party. Again, promo code podcast is going to get you 25% off any and all purchases. And I'm just going to say now, enjoy the book because we know you will. I'm coming to you with my newfound friend, Mr. Lev. Lev, how's it going? It's, I'm doing absolutely amazing. It's good, to, it's good to finally meet you. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. And, I, and likewise for me, it's been, we've had some correspondence and just talking to you pre-show, we have so much going on in common. So I'm excited to take that conversation off air, put it on air and let other people kind of listen in. Awesome. And I just want to say, once we dive into this, I'm probably going to end up walking away, learning a few things. Even though that I am the one that's supposed to be bringing value to to this conversation, I'm still probably going to walk away learning something from this conversation. Oh man, it, it happens every single time. I'm I'm right there with you. So let's just start it off with uh, kind of sharing your backstory with the audience. So uh, this being a primarily uh, a show that people in America listen to, and obviously you're coming to us from Vancouver, uh, just kind of give us your backstory. What made you the Lev of today? Well, okay, so it all starts in, I guess, 1985. So I'm born in Lithuania. It's, uh, it, used to be as a, it used to be outside of Russia. And uh, I, the Iron Curtain ruled everything back then. So your primary language for that was the um, Russian. So you needed to know Russian. The schools, they taught Russian. So basically, I was born in Lithuania. Four years old, I moved to Israel. In Israel, we moved to Israel because we were Jewish. Uh, my grandparents are Jewish, and my dad's side of the family is Jewish, but my mom's side of the family is Christian. And that was kind. Of, that's a whole. That's a topic for a whole other story. <laughs> I moved to Canada when I was ten, and basically, I come to Canada with no English. Uh, I I knew the song B I N G O, <laughs> and then uh, I got into ESL, and I was uh, I took ESL for two years. Uh, when I got into grade six, grade seven. I was basically the, that student, that foreign student that people love to pick on. But luckily for me, I was a little bit taller and a little bit bigger than a lot of the students there. Luckily, even though I got picked on, I held my weight and you know I fought back for whatever fights that they wanted to fight. And then I, I kind of grew from there, and people started to respect me a little bit more. So I stood my ground. It's not like I went out and I picked fights with people. I didn't bully anyone ever in my life, but I did get bullied. 
but not to the point where it's going to make me, you know, sad for myself. It's not that kind of bullying. It's kind of the kind of bullying they're kind of testing you. They're testing your, your character out, the kind of person you are. So basically, I got out of that, got into high school. And what was a real struggle actually throughout my whole, uh, throughout my whole teenagehood was the moving around. Because when we came here, we basically had no, nowhere to, like my parents didn't have uh, jobs that were stable. They always had to find new jobs. And we basically moved every two years, uh, exactly every two years, from city to city because of my dad's work. Mm. And finally, when we got to this one city in the lower mainland, which is just outside of Vancouver, I, it, I'm sure that it had nothing to do with me saying that I'm not moving anymore <laughs> or my sister. <laughs> but basically, we ended up staying in this one city for... The, the next 10 years and that's where I attended most of my high school because I moved for, for I went to two different high schools and three different elementary schools so it was it was tough it was a tough time during my teenagehood and I, I met a lot of people it was amazing I met I made a lot of good friends but along the lines you kind of lose touch with those friends because you move so yeah. far away you don't have a car at that time cell phones were kind of obsolete They're, they weren't that hot of a commodity that they are now where you see six-year-olds with a cell phone. But basically, I moved to Langley, uh, finished high school. I, I did pretty good in school. And uh, then after high school, I moved out of my parents' house. Me and my parents didn't really see eye to eye because I was going through some struggles of myself. And they are the kind of parents that come from a strict background where they, you basically... You have to go to school, you have to get good grades, you have to go to work, but it's not the kind of, they're not more open-minded, more understanding of what kids do. Um, I'm, and, you know, they weren't great kids themselves, they used to drink, and I, I heard a lot of stories about my parents, <laughs> but they weren't getting into um, uh, drugs. And that's kind of where I was kind of tippy-toeing around. I was... I was smoking a lot of weed and mm. this kind of, it was, it was somewhat accepted here and right now especially, it's really big, it's a really big thing with uh, this whole Health Canada thing but back then it was, it wasn't that it was, you would get arrested and you would go to jail but it was, it was an offense enough for my parents to believe that it was super bad, it was such a bad thing. Right, like if, if, for example, it's it's a big difference, and that's that's kind of what I want to say too. It's a big difference in in from us here and from you guys in America, where you guys get punished so much more and so severely for doing something uh, that could be considered so minor, and they schedule these drugs and these you know schedule yep. one, schedule two. Here, it's a lot different. Here, you get caught with something, you you get uh, either prosecuted as you're trying to sell it. And like with, with intent of selling, or you get prosecuted as possession, and those two are different. And if you get prosecuted as possession here, then you don't really go to jail. You don't you don't really do anything. You you go on house arrest or something. Like it's completely like a slap on the wrist. So to me, I didn't see that I was doing such a bad thing. But my parents, because they come from such a strict background, they know they have no knowledge in this. They they thought that I was completely you know doing doing bad. So we didn't see eye to eye, 18 years old, I move out, and I basically, 
went to live with my friend for about one year. Um, I never went back to my parents since then. And I'm 30 now. And I want to say that I'm doing quite well. I don't ever see myself going back to my parents. But we have a great relationship. At, at the, when I moved out, it was rocky. My mom was upset about it. My dad, you know, he he kind of wanted me out of the house. Yep. And, but it was fine. I moved out. It was it was hard. It wasn't easy, but when when you get when you adapt to these kind of situations, you kind of start to. I I never mentioned this in my blog before. When you get cornered into a situation, you kind of start fighting your way back, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what it was for me. I got cornered, and I was like, you know what? I can fight through this. I can just I can work. I can I can do what I can do, and then make money, support myself. You know, I I don't need somebody else to support me for the rest of my life. So that's kind of where I said, you know what, cut it. But I've worked since I was 15 years old, so I was accumulating money at that point. I was starting to save, and I I was comfortable enough to start to say, you know what, I can do this all myself. So I moved out, um, got furniture from all these different places that was like hand me down. So <laughs> we were living on like a 1970s disco couch, and it was fun. We had we had a great time. Uh, my friend was working, I was working, he was working at a restaurant, I was doing more construction work. So we basically were never at home, we, we lived together, um, we basically slept at the house, but we always worked. Then fast forward a little bit, and we, my, well, my parents were really eager for me to go to school, and especially my grandparents. It was a tough time for me because my grandparents, great grand, or sorry, grandparents were dying from cancer, and they lived in Israel. And their wishes were for me to go to, to a higher education because they wanted me to basically get a great job. But again, that's old school mentality. They think you you finish high school, you go get a college degree, and then you get a better job than you would if you didn't get a college yep. degree. Old school mentality. So they didn't understand the kind of opportunities that we're, us millennials, have now to be able to, to be able to do things without even going into to a university or, or college. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with going to college. I'm not saying that you're not gonna you're not gonna succeed even more. But then again, success is into every individual person actually thinks what is success to them, right? Yep. If you decide what your success is. I may think you're successful, you may not think you're successful. But college for me it just wasn't doing it. I got my certificate. I went to college. I did a year. I got my certificate. And then I started doing, uh, going for my diploma. And I was just going part-time. And it was, my grades were starting to suffer because I was concentrating more on the work. And I was just like, you know what? This just isn't for me. It's just stressing me out. I'm not getting what I want from school. I don't see a future in it. So I just I completely stopped it. And then two, three years later, I went back, did part-time, and back and forth, 10 years Fast forward 10 years, I'm still going to school, <laughs> part-time basis, but basically school is just, it's there for me. I realized this. I realized that school is there for me. I'm not going to school for school. I'm going to school because it's going to serve a purpose for me. And now that I realize that the program that I was in, I don't even want to do or complete that program. I have another program that I'm interested in. I did a couple of classes uh, last semester, and I was completely I aced them, and I'm you know I was happy coming out of that. So yeah. that's the direction I'm going to take. School's going to serve me, and I'm not going to be the one who's going to be the slave to the school. That's basically where that goes. So fast forward a little bit. 
I started working for this company called Center Home Improvements, and they're a windows and doors company. Uh, we do they have many divisions, but the one division I was in is the um, installation department. So I basically I go to people's houses and I install their glass, their windows, their doors. And five years working into that company, I was earning a really good wage for for my age, for for the industry, especially for around that time where it was two thousand uh, between two thousand six and two thousand eight. That okay. around that economical yeah. collapse time, I was the company was actually doing so good, and their stocks were going up so well that I was. I seen a future. I seen a potential with this company, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy working for somebody else, listening to somebody else, telling me what to do. I wasn't happy about that. So I was miserable. I, even though I came with a good attitude, I was. I wanted to earn the good money. I just wasn't happy the way things were going. And then uh, five years into the to the job. I had an accident. I had an accident on my wrist, on my right wrist. I cut two tendons, and it was the it was the simplest job. It wasn't even complicated, and it was just such an awkward little piece of glass that went into my wrist that I it made me just rethink everything that I was doing. I was just I was miserable. I had this accident. I had three months off. I had to go to physiotherapy. I had uh, plastic surgery done on my hand, and I was just thinking, what am I doing all this for? Am I doing this for myself? Why am I doing this for somebody else? I'm risking my life for somebody else. Why would I want to do that? So I stood back and I said, you know what? I'm going to basically walk away from this job. I'm going to start doing my own thing. I'm going to freelance. At that point, I was just going to freelance and work for other people, do odd jobs here and there. And I, I had quite a bit of money saved up to till that point because I wasn't doing anything too bad with my money. I wasn't making stupid uh I wasn't making stupid purchases with my money. So I, I, I'm, I'm, all my life I've been really, really good with my money, with saving my money, putting it away, making sure that it accumulates in some sort of funds. So that is really what helped me to become, to, to be able to get into the entrepreneurial fields by doing that, by being very diligent with my money. Uh, I have a lot of friends who have great jobs and who are sitting in debt right now, who have nothing. And I just look at that and I'm like, you know what, each person, I'm not judging anybody, each person makes their own decisions and it's basically your decisions are going to dictate how your future is going to be, right? Mm -hmm. So going with that, I started doing the whole self-employment thing and I was doing not so bad. I wouldn't say I was doing absolutely great because I would have kept doing it if I was. And then I I got introduced to an acquaintance uh, through a mutual friend of ours and I started lending him a little bit of money. Now he was paying the money back with some interest and I was like, you know what, this isn't such a bad business. You know, I'm giving somebody money, my money's working for me. And then it got to the point where his his company who I, that he was working with, uh, on, his renovations company, he's started to suffer a little bit and it was during that time of the the bust, of the economic bust, but it wasn't due to that. It was mainly due to the fact that he was making poor decisions with his uh, with his business. He wasn't making the right purchases, and he wasn't charging the people the right money for his return. I always look at the return on investment. You always got to look at that. So I, I noticed that there was a flaw in his business, and I said, you know what? Listen, if we're going to continue on with our relationship, and you and we want to continue our business, or not just our friend relationship, because when you're in business with somebody, you're building that friendship, right? 
So basically, when if you want to keep building this, then let's get into let's partner up. Let's do something that you're really good at. And I looked at his background, and he was a carpet cleaner for about 20 years, and he knows every little trick of the trade. I couldn't believe it. Like the amount of what the wealth of knowledge that he has, I knew we could do something with it. So we basically said, you know what? Let's do. Let's get into this steam cleaning business in Vancouver, and uh, I'll be basically the back administration. Uh, the CFO of the company. I'll get you the tools. You get out on the field. You get the customers. Well, I was helping get the customers as well, but you do the work, basically. Mm -hmm. So that has worked out up to date. Uh, we're, I would say, we're probably about three years old up until this point. The company's doing pretty well. I don't want to brag about it. I mean, our sales are between 200 and 250,000 a year. So it's not a multi million dollar company, but for two guys, doing this company by themselves, I feel like we've got to the point where we need to now start hiring people out yeah. and uh, expanding our growth. But for me, I guess my flaw is, I want to say, that I just have so much interest in doing so many different things that it's hard for me to stay put and concentrate on one thing at a time and really laser focus. And I know, I know, if I didn't go and I didn't start my other companies and doing all these other things that I'm doing that if I just completely focused on this one company, we could be up over a million dollars in sales. I know that, but I just chose not to. And I can't explain why. Maybe I have ADD, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think but it's called being know. an entrepreneur. It's one of those things where there's a, a lot of entrepreneurs out there. They can't they can't sit sit still. They can't just laser focus on one thing they have laser focus on one thing for a short period of time yeah. and then they basically delegate the stuff they're doing to somebody else and then they laser focus on something else that's right so i basically made it so it's it's not only sustainable but it's profitable and the 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 good or what i do want to say about that company is that um up until last year, I decided for that company that 10% of the profits should go to BC Children's Hospital. Uh, that's uh, it, it's a donation for the children that are you know ho are hospitalized in BC. So I feel like you know that company is doing good. It could do so much better. It has a lot of potential, and it's such a lucrative business, the steam cleaning business, that it's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's not about robbing people of their money, but it's just about how much money you make per hour. Right? Yes. It's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So, anyways, I got into that business. Then, about a year after that, I got into uh, another company. Uh, me and two of my friends. So every every company that I have, I found it. I haven't. I didn't go walk into any company, and then I I partnered up with somebody who's already had a company going. I I basically founded every single company that we've gone into. So the next company I got into was House Hippo Media. Uh, it was actually called Active Drone Imaging. And the, the purpose behind that company was to be unique and to get into this really niche market of doing drone photography. And we realized that in Canada, uh, the we have restrictions with the FFA, and it's it's not as easy uh, to get into doing this kind of drone commercial drone work. That's kind of where we wanted to go, not just residential drone work, but commercial. And in the residential field, people would rather pay somebody uh, lower sum of money to get a, a video shoot than pay somebody twice or three times as much to get an aerial shoot. And for us, the the business plan was kind of suffering. It, it, we we had high hopes for it, but it's we didn't 
we didn't achieve what we were set out to do. So, but in the meantime, uh, our videographer was doing work with uh, he's doing lots of weddings. He's doing uh, uh, work for pub pub uh, crews and uh, retail shops and uh, New Balance. Um, so basically, he started getting all this uh, all these clients and everything through his work. It was all it was a lot of it was done through, through word of mouth. We didn't advertise anything. So it's just amazing that somebody's talent and somebody's work and skill can bring so much people to can attract. So much yeah. people, like it, what people don't understand is they 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 want to go in and they want to they think that marketing and advertising is such a big thing and and if you don't market or advertise you're nobody, but it's not true. It's actually the people that the people that have such a unique skill and that are really good at what they do, they attract. That's how you attract people. That I is. Agree. How people one job leads to another leads to another and next thing you know there's a lineup of people that are wanting to get your work done and that's kind of how that company grew um, and now uh, House Hippo Media uh, we, we lost one of the partners because I felt like you, you when you go into a partnership you always got to see okay is it an equal partnership yes now you got to see who's doing what work because everybody has to be kept accountable for it and I'm sure in your mastermind group too. I mean, it, it, I guess it's a little bit different because because it's not a, a company where you're making money and bringing in revenue, but it is where you're holding somebody else accountable for their actions and what they're telling you they're committed to do. Right? That's exactly right. So it's right. the same thing. So it's the same thing with a partnership. You what when you're committed to doing something, you you need to you need to live up to that. Potential. You need to live up to what you're saying you will do. So I felt like one of the partners, and he knew it too. It wasn't. It wasn't that we broke our relationship up, up, and then we walked our separate ways. In the business, yes, but we're still really good friends right now. We talk daily. Um, we, we still keep in contact. He's actually my realtor in some of my uh, real estate <laughs> investments. So I'm glad that you know. And he's been a friend of mine for 15 years. I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough when you go into a business. With somebody that you've known for such a long time, and then that business has to, you know, the business goes apart or it dissolves, you know, it's some relationships really suffer from this. They really do. And I, I did write a post about this. So basically, I've been writing a post, just a little side note here. I've been writing a post every day. Just, it's, I'm trying to relate it to business in some way because it is on my it is on my website. I'm branding myself as the Carison Group because that's my last name, Carison. And basically, I'm writing my perspective on things. It's what it is. It's what I think is interesting, what I think other people would find interesting. I ask questions, and then I answer my own questions. That's kind of how I've been putting that daily blog. And I, I found it interesting that you're really interested in all these podcasts, and you listen to tons of podcasts, and that's kind of how you got into doing podcasts. Yep. Well, I've been reading a lot of blogs, and... I love, like, for example, I love Pursuit. I love Mark Manson. I love uh, a lot of the stuff on the Medium. Um, I love uh, there's so many blogs that I read, and I'm like, I'm just like you, an avid reader. I read tons. I don't only really read hard copy books and audio books, but I love blogs. I absolutely love blogs, especially the blogs that you know you can get something out of the blog and some value out of it. Seth Godin, especially, I love his daily newsletter. Yep, absolutely amazing. And that's what got me into blogging. That's what got me into writing daily. Is all these great writers? I'm like, I absolutely love what they do, and I love how they bring themselves out. 
and that's what I was. I know, I I know by saying this is probably, it, I shouldn't be saying it because I'm gonna say that I'm not a great writer, and I know I'm not. But if you're gonna believe that you're not a great writer, most chances are you're just gonna keep being that shitty writer. So I'm learning to be a good writer. It's all about the mindset. It's all about how you think about things, right? Um, and that's kind of what I said at the beginning of the podcast when I was going to come into this. I'm going to learn something from this. Even though I'm saying a lot of the things, I'm still going to learn a little bit about myself. Uh, and that's kind of what I've done as well. I've done a – this is still all a side note. We're going to get back into that whole timeline of my own. <laughs> uh, so I, I got into doing some radio uh, segments uh, with uh, the Russian community. It's called Vera FM. And and the same thing there. When I used to go to the radio show, I used to come prepared, so prepared. I'd have so many notes, but then we'd never talk about any of the notes. But every time I'd walk away from the radio show, I'd always come out with something that I didn't know before. I'd learn something. And then I'd listen to the show after, and I'd get even more insight about myself. I'd be like, you know what? I, I should have said these things different. I should have said that different. I, I know I was thinking that at that time, but I didn't get a chance to say it. And that's what's going to happen with this podcast too. I'm going to listen to it after you air it, and I'm going to go in and I'm going to think to myself, oh, I wish I told the audience this, and I wish I did that, right? So mm-hmm. it's just, I guess, but it's good to be to realize that. It's good to realize that, to have that awareness. So going back, I got the House Hippo Media, and then I was still, I didn't feel like I was reaching my full potential. I was, didn't feel like I was doing so good. I was still smoking weed. I was still being stupid, um, making stupid decisions in life, but not so much with my money. With my money, I was being good. But in my life, I felt it was struggling. I, I got engaged to uh, my girlfriend who I was together with for eight years, and uh, we broke up. And that was the turning point for me. And the, the, like I said, I had two turning points in my life. One was when I cut my wrist. And then this was my second turning point. And this, this turning point turned me more into, propelled me into the self-growth. Uh, this, I hate saying self-help. I really hate that because really, they actually used to use this term, and you'll find that in the better angels of our nature. They used to use this term for people that were, I, I, I don't want to screw this up, and I know I am going to screw this up, <laughs> people that used to self mutilate themselves like they, they inflicted self damage on themselves mm-hmm. and that's kind of where that term was used and this was back in the old days and I, I don't know how far back but when you read the better angels of our nature you'll get exactly what I'm talking about I and I wrote about this as well I think that we should be using uh, more powerful words for like the self-help industry um, so basically I started wanting to grow personally that's what I wanted to do. So my first, uh, my first thing after I broke up, the first thing that I did was I stopped smoking. That was number one. Number two, I picked up a book. And my first book was Hyena by Rude Jude, uh, Jude Angelini. And this is the first book in 29 years that I ever read from, from start to finish. Any, uh, throughout my whole life, I, I did great in English school. Or I did great in English class. And I got great grades but I cheated I did the the cliff notes and all the stuff online so I came prepared to class I knew exactly what the books were about but it's really is that cheating because you're still learning you still know what the books are about just because you don't read every sentence sentence 
I don't know. I don't really think that it is cheating unless you're bringing the sheet with you in class during a test and you're writing it off the sheet. That's cheating. That's exactly. <laughs> if you're learning it, just because you're learning it a different way, I don't think that's cheating. Hey, I, I use Cliff Notes myself, so I'm on your side. I don't think it's cheating. <laughs> Thank you. So basically what I did was uh, I, I read that book from start to finish and I was so in love with that book and I'm not going to explain how I got into getting that book because I feel like we're going to run out of time if I did that. So <laughs> basically I, I read that book and I was like, this guy published this book by himself and he promoted it by himself. He did it all. And it is such a, like some of the chapters I was just laughing out loud hysterically. And that got me into reading. I'm like, I absolutely love reading. I love it. So after that, it started this craze of reading. I'm, I'm up to about three to four books a week. So I digest books like crazy. I learn so much from them. I read blogs daily. I, and, then, and not only reading, and Ryan Holiday has said this, and I'm not going to take any credit for it because it's not right. It's not never right to take any credit if you hear something from somebody else. It's, oh, you, it makes you look smarter if you actually credit somebody else for that work. So anyways, <laughs> Ryan Holiday has said, read to lead. And uh, I think he got this from somebody else, but uh, I'm just going from where I got it from. Basically, when you're reading, you know, you're going to read a book and then you're going to put it back on the shelf and then you're going to forget about it a month, two months, a year later. What's the point of reading that book, really? What did you get out of that book? So I read with intention. I read, I question what the author is saying, why they're saying it, what their purpose is behind it, and I take notes. I take notes on Google Docs, and I have it stored, so I can always go back to it, and I can read what I what it is that I wrote. But the way that Ryan reads his books, I'm just absolutely, I can't even fathom the amount that he reads, how he reads them, and all the cue cards that he takes. I'm not sure. You're obviously you're familiar with Ryan Holiday because you read his. Or you he just, wrote, yeah, his, I, I think you're referring to one of his blog posts where he shows the way that he reads stores. That, I mean, it's it's insanity. I I just like that is like a whole other level of reading. That is you're writing these notes on these cards, and then you're going back two weeks later, and then two months later. But that's the way to learn things. You learn them by actually you have your brain stores them in the long-term memory by continuously reading. It's like when you're sawing a piece of wood. You keep sawing that piece of wood, it's just going to get deeper and deeper. And that's how, you, that's how you memorize and remember things. It's not by reading them 10 minutes before a test. It's by reading them and giving it some time in between. So your brain, when you come back to it, you're like, oh, I remember some of this stuff, but I, I don't remember any of this stuff. And then the next time you come around, you should be able to remember more of that stuff. So basically, I started reading with intent, reading, read to lead. I started reading, uh, understanding what I'm reading, why I'm reading it, questioning the author, and thinking to myself, like, if I write this note down, is this going to help me later? Right? That's kind of what, what's been helping me. And yep. uh, same, same with the audiobooks. Uh, it, it's I, I listen and if I find something that I, I catch something that you know interests me, I stop it. I make a note of it real quick. So, but I do cheat a little bit. I, I listen to my audiobooks twice the speed. So, <laughs> and I you can fully comprehend. I can't believe it when you're listening to to when you're listening to books, how slow they talk on just regular speed. It's it's like draining on me I was just like I used to listen to slow but I didn't realize the potential of twice the speed and I, I started going into these network meetings where I met people and they get 
you get great, even though the network meetings are for you to meet people and a lot of it was realtors and mortgage brokers trying to meet clients, I still was able to walk away from meeting people and learning from them, learning from what they do. And one guy said, you know what? It's like, you can listen to twice as fast. I'm like, what? And then I went and listened twice as fast. I'm like, I can comprehend this. I can understand it. And then when I, after you slow it down, you're like, what the hell? This guy's speaking so slow. <laughs> like, what's going on with this guy? So I don't know. I don't know why they do that. It's probably for the people that, you know, need to hear it slower. But regardless, pushing that aside. So after that book, that pushed me into reading lots, lots of books. And again, we're going to use the term self-help because that's probably what the audience is going to understand. The nonfiction writing books. Uh, I That's basically the category that I love. I do love some of the... Um, fiction but that have uh, a story that you can that you can extract into your real life so yep. for example like the alchemist uh, I'm not sure if you've read that one oh I've read it I've read it probably a dozen times <laughs> absolutely amazing book absolutely amazing book and that's kind of one thing I do want to do I want to start reading books more than once and I know that you would get so much more value out of it even though you you read it and you get most of the content you will miss things for sure you always miss things. Uh, another great book I'm reading right now is What Makes Sammy Run. Uh, that was actually a recommendation by Ryan Holiday. Oh, such an amazing book. Yeah, I'm just I'm almost finished it. Uh, I got it on Kindle, and I, it is awesome. It is awesome. I have to uh, check that. I've yet to hear of that. And, uh, and I, I can give, I can send you a whole email list of all the recommendations of all my books on my website. It doesn't do its due diligence of what I've read because I just haven't had the time. I actually built the website on my own. I started to, I started, I start everything I've started doing. I started doing by myself. I wanted to learn. I wanted to, I've never known how to program or do coding or anything. I, I met somebody on Instagram, uh, success all day. Uh, his name is James. And uh, he ended up having this little course, this mini course for $70 on the how to build a WordPress and how to uh, like put your stuff up on there. So I, I did that and I started doing my own thing. I put my own website up and I was like, because at that point I was like, why would I want to pay somebody to put up a website that I'm not even sure what I'm going to do with, right? Yeah. So I started doing everything myself, pretty much teaching myself to do things. So I, that's the one thing that I do love. I love learning. And I love teaching myself to do lots of things. But I, up until a year ago, this wasn't me. And my friends, when I go up to my friends now, and I, you know, friends that I've been with for that I've been friends with for such a long time, for years and years, the, the transformation that they see in me, it's just profound. It's absolutely profound. They they can't recognize the person that I am today, that I was even yesterday or especially a year ago but it wasn't like that for my whole life my whole life I was very predictable I people knew exactly who I was what I was gonna do um, it was just like it was it was that that type of life that you know you, you meet your friend and you know exactly what he's gonna do in the next five minutes in the next yeah. hour but I'm I become so unpredictable and it's just the transformation I did a complete 180 they, they just they don't realize the they I can't even believe the amount of stuff that I've been doing and the amount of stuff that, that the amount of growth that I've had. I want to say it's definitely been an exponential growth in the past year. And I know even tomorrow or next year, I'm not even going to be the same person I am today. It's absolutely right. crazy. Here's what we're going to do, Lev. I know we're on a time crunch. I know you got to go. But I think here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a two-part series. So the audience right now has your story. 
They're going to yes. be able to relate to it. They're going to be able to take from it. They're going to be able to understand what you did or didn't do to make you successful or not successful. So what we're going to do is we're going to come back. Uh, we'll release a show down the road uh, where I'm going to ask you questions based on some of these things, get some specific book recommendations. We're going to get a little bit deeper, but I think this is an incredible crash course to give the listeners a, a, an overview of here's what it was like to be quote unquote successful to society. Even though in my personal life there were things going on that wasn't that were that was holding me back, and here's what I did, here's what I started doing, here's what I changed, and that's what brought it all together. So, Lev, man, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your story. We're gonna get a part two in for sure, and I know the audience is gonna be looking forward to that. I love it. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Yeah, of course, of course. All right, guys, tune in for part two with Lev Karrison. It'll be coming to you shortly. Have a good one, guys. If you guys enjoyed that episode, please let us know. Find us at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We're going to be at Yield Mastermind on all those platforms. Check out our website, yieldmastermind.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those platforms. Please reach out to us. Let us know if you like the show. Let us know if you're loving the content. Please write us a review on iTunes if you feel the desire to. We really appreciate hearing from our audience and really understanding if you guys are loving what you're hearing or if you guys would like to hear something totally different. We're always open to that stuff. Thanks for listening. We hope you are enjoying this show as much as we are, and we can't wait for you guys to tune in next time.